welcome to a very impromptu bonus episode of Screaming Through the Ages. I'm your host, Trey Whetstone, and we're going to be delving into one movie in particular in this episode from the appendix. And it all came about, I'll give you a little introduction. So it's around 1230 here, Eastern time when I'm recording this. About a half hour, 45 minutes ago, I just got out of the theater to see Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. And I've got some things to say about it. I never usually have this much to say about any movie, really, that I see in a movie theater. I usually don't feel this way about most movies that I see, period. I try to go into everything and like everything. It doesn't really take much to meet my standards. But with Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, I was planning on staying away from this one. I really didn't want anything to do with it or any of the other Resident Evil adaptations that have been coming out fast and furiously here recently. And a lot of that has to do with how close I am to the source material. I really love the Resident Evil games. I've been playing them for well over a decade at this point, and I've played almost every game in the series. So I have a storied background with these games. But I started seeing people leaving reviews over on Letterboxd and talking about it on Twitter, and it seemed like it was getting pretty decent reviews at least, and I was pretty excited. To give you a little background on the other Resident Evil movies, I don't really... I think they're fine movies. I enjoy them, definitely, for what they are. They're nothing close to what the games are, really, for the most part, and that's fine. I think they're able to survive on their own and be their own thing. And I can get enjoyment watching them because I don't really care because these are obviously different characters than they are in the games. Now, like I said, I am very invested in the games and have played most of them. And I'm very invested in the story, even though the story, especially originally in those first games, very loose, very much like this fun, campy story that's not really that intelligent but it does kind of morph into all this, all these convoluted plot lines. I don't think these stories of Resident Evil are ever going to win any kind of awards. They're not, even the modern ones, they're not like the cream of the crop when it comes to storytelling in any medium. But I still love them, and you get invested with these characters, and you do get invested in this ridiculous lore that they set up over years and years since 1996 when the first game released. But here we are, and I said over on Twitter, I should have learned my lesson with something like Ender's Game, which was my favorite book um, growing up and as a kid. And I saw that movie, and I hated it. And this has happened countless times. Anytime I get too close to the original source material, I absolutely hate any adaptation that's done around it, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm not going to like the adaptation. Yet here I am going and seeing this Resident Evil movie. And I saw that it's going to have all these characters, and yes, people were saying it's closer. So when they're saying it's closer, what I'm imagining is this almost shot-for-shot shot type of thing. I think it gives you some clues early on that make you think, oh, maybe this is what they're doing with this. Or at least getting very close to the original story. Now, we don't need that. We don't need, frankly, any video game adaptation. We don't really need them transferred over to that medium. They live and breathe in their own medium. And video game things are very hard to adapt because they take place over hours and hours and hours. I mean, you could play the first Resident Evil game 12, 15 hours, 
how are you going to turn that into a movie, let alone you're taking the first two games and trying to put them into a movie here. The initial problem with that is, now when I'm saying trying to combine all that, it's not like that whole time is story. You're definitely doing puzzles and interacting with stuff, and it's definitely a majority of gameplay like with most games, but it's still very hard, and why do we keep attempting to do this? I think before I get started on this tirade, that this movie could be fine for people who don't know much about Resident Evil, or I think I've seen some people who are Resident Evil fans, it looks like my buddy Will over there, Armored Foe on Twitter, who has the Shapes and Shadows podcast, um, I think he liked this decent enough from what I read on his Letterboxd, and he is familiar with the games. So maybe it's just me here, but... I think there are people who have no background in the games that can enjoy it, and I think there are elements of this movie that I did really like. It just started off on the wrong foot for me, and led me down this spiral as I'm watching this movie, um, in a way I haven't felt since the Suspiria remake of 2018. So what's the premise of the movie? What do I like about it, especially in the opening moments? Well, what I like about it is... One, it's very ambitious to try to simultaneously cut these games together, because if you don't know anything about it, 1 and 2 are happening pretty much around the same time with different characters in different settings and situations. So I like the ambition. And then they make these sets. The set design is so much like the games, and it's so awesome to see it just hits you right in the nostalgia, and I think they lure you in with that at first, when we're seeing the Spencer Mansion, and when we're seeing even the orphanage from the outside anyway, and we're seeing the RPD, and when you get that close-up, when you, not close-up, but when you go inside and you get that wide shot of the RPD lobby, it's so great. It hit me in just the right spot, I'd say. And there are a lot of scenes like that, and a lot of good sets that they build up. And to preface all this, I'm going to try to not spoil the movie as much as I can. There may be some spoilers about what happens within the games, but I'm not going to try to spoil this movie because it is so fresh. So there's some likable things, and I like how they set up certain elements in the beginning. There's some creepy shots, and there's definitely some creepy stuff going on. Please don't be fooled by this, though, because it's still an action horror movie. Maybe not as much action as the old movies that Paul W.S. Anderson did, which, again, I think they're fun in their own right. Um, I don't go into them expecting a serious horror movie, but I don't really go into the Resident Evil games expecting a serious horror story either. Now, the games are mostly horror, and this it's this genre called survival horror where you basically have limited resources and you're trying to survive, so it's very tense, very scary, until you get later on in the series when you do get into some action stuff. So I don't think the movies really capture the vibe or the feeling. I was never scared watching this Resident Evil movie. I was just annoyed, mainly. And that's a problem all on its own. But let's start off, I guess. One of my main problems are the scenes that they get right. Um, we have a scene with a trucker early on that's close. It's a little bit changed up from what we see in the original Resident Evil 2 and the Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, a little changed up from that, but it is very reminiscent of that, and we get other scenes that are very reminiscent of what happens in the games, which therein lies my main problem. Pick a side. Either you 
completely do something different and throw in little hints for nostalgia's sake, or you just don't do it at all. I mean, you either need to do completely your own thing or you need to completely be faithful. In my eyes, you can mix and match a little bit, but when you're trying to set up these iconic and faithful moments that happen pretty much shot for shot of how they happen in the game, maybe a little bit of twisting around, and we do see these big iconic moments that we've seen in the game just kind of moved and rearranged a little bit, and I'm fine with that. But we get that, and then they basically just go in a completely different direction, picking and choosing what they want to use from the games, what characters they want to use from the games, and it's kind of upsetting. Let's talk about those characters, by the way. Now, I'm fine with Claire Redfield's character. I think that's a pretty good representation of Claire for the most part. They go a little bit crazy with it. And I think Chris Redfield is fine for Chris Redfield. I think those two are fine. And I think they're the closest to their original characters. They try to do something where they're building more background in these characters than the games did. For the most part, the games, you're kind of thrown into these situations and you learn a little bit as you go about the characters. Well, here, you're kind of given these characters and they try to give them these backgrounds and these showing them how they work together and showing them how they interact outside of the scenes. And there's some big variances of that. I mean, you get characters crossing and intersecting who never intersect at all throughout the entire series. And this is a long franchise. This thing has been going forever, and we still have some characters who have never met, at least in the video games. They might have other places. But Claire doesn't meet up with her brother until way later in the series, um, certainly not in the first three games. But here she is at the beginning of this movie, and she's already reunited with her brother. I also have problems with, I don't know if it's a casting problem. I think the cast choices are fine, who they are. I think it's more of the way the characters are written, and I don't have a problem with the dialogue. The dialogue's not going to win any awards, but again, like I said, neither is anything in the games. What I do have a problem with is completely changing who a character is or changing their motivations. For one, I don't think Jill Valentine in this is very likable, and I think she definitely is throughout the games. Um, Chris Redfield, again, he varies from his what he's like in the game, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Claire also varies pretty differently from what she is in the game. She's not this conspiracy theorist that she is in this game. Um, Chris and Claire's origins are not anything close to that either. They kind of take this opportunity to flesh out Chris and Claire's background a little bit. They have nothing to do with the Birkins, though. That's clear from the games. They have nothing to do with the Birkins. I don't know why you're trying to interconnect all these pieces and make everything make sense. Another part early on, you've got Lisa Trevor. This character, what they've done to Lisa Trevor, is such a far cry from what Lisa Trevor was. And Lisa Trevor is a very tragic character, as I think they set her up to be here, but completely different. There's very little in similarities there, and I hated where they went with that. It's... It's almost like you have the, I don't know, I would equate my feeling right now to you go back to your childhood home that you lived in, you know, 17, 18 years, and new owners have taken over, and it's just completely different. So you recognize the structure, and you recognize the bones and everything there, and it looks a little similar, but everything's kind of been twisted around and changed to something completely different. So I'm kind of just jumping around on these characters. Um, Wesker, 
Albert Wesker. I have a huge problem with Albert Wesker in this movie. He is, in the Resident Evil series, the evil of all evils. He is a very sinister character. He is a very evil character. In this, he's played much more as this gray area character. And he's kind of almost walking a line. Like, he's going a little bit in the direction that he goes in the games, but he's doing it for a completely different reason. And his motivations are changed. He's pretty much in charge, which is another scene I have a problem with, is Chief Irons early on um, has all the STARS members. So if you don't know STARS, it's like a special team that's basically like this private army. They go in and handle cases that the police can't. So you get Chief Irons, who's the head of police, basically yelling and kind of talking down to all of these STARS members. Albert Wesker is not just some soldier in the games. He's very intelligent. He's a researcher for the Umbrella Corporation. And again, he's also very conniving. He sets up all these plots behind the scene. He knows exactly what's going on. And this he's kind of playing a little dumb. It's just very, very jarring to see Wesker's character portrayed by this. And he's definitely one of the villains. And speaking of villains, and I just mentioned Chief Irons, it's just nowhere near the level. He's just kind of played off as like this jerk character and this really unlikable character, sure. But he's not played off of the evil that he is. And I think there's a little bit of a, maybe something else got cut out because there's a throwaway line about him in an orphanage later on and how he knows about it. The problem with Irons is he is a complete psychopath in the games. He is a serial killer. He basically kills women and turns them into taxidermy. And that's not a lie. And then once things hit the fan, we see here he's kind of cooperating to try to save his own skin with Leon and Claire. But he's really an evil man. He would not be cooperating. He starts killing his own police officers and everything like that. Those two characters who are supposed to be these evil villains are not really played for that, and neither is Birkin either, really. He gets a little bit of a turn at the end, but it's so rushed that we don't really get to sit there and learn about it. I just think there's too much being thrown into this, and don't get me started on Leon Kennedy. They make Leon to be so bumbling and so terrible, and yes, he's a little awkward and he's a little goofy and things in the games for sure. He is not this bumbling backwoods sheriff who shot his own partner, and got demoted and sent to this backwater town. That's not Leon Kennedy. That's not why he's there, and everyone isn't making fun of him. He just becomes kind of the butt of everyone's jokes in this movie. So the characters are a huge deal for me. These are characters that I've grown to love and get attached to over the years. They're playing all these games, and they kind of just crap on all of that and change their backstories and change really their personalities and change who they are and... It's like the filmmaker would have to know, at least on a base level, what he's doing, but maybe he just knows through memes or something because the spirit is not here. I'm sure he got... I don't know. I'm not going to judge the filmmaker on whether he is or isn't a Resident Evil fan, and I'm not going to judge him because who knows what's been turned around with the studio, but this was written and directed by Johannes Roberts, who has all of the directing and writing credits to himself. That should tell you something where they're not even referencing the games as a writing credit. It's just written and directed by Johannes Roberts. So I'm not going to go into that. I have no idea what his intent was. I have no idea what a studio could have made him do. I'm not going to say anything bad about the writer-director of this. I'm just saying 
is it seems he has the creative control at least of what's going into the script and what's getting shot. Another couple things about the characters. When we're going to the Spencer Mansion in the original game, it's kind of this grand moment, um, which we do get that, I think, with Alpha Team. But Bravo Team is just as capable and just as important as Alpha Team. And they get sent in first, and we actually get um, at least one character from Bravo Team that plays a bigger role in the first game and later on in the series as well. So... Bravo team's not this, like, throwaway. Basically what they are in this, they're just standard cops, it seems like. They're just standard police officers. That's all they are. We get out there, and we see a police car crashed over, and we see these guys earlier on, and they're just guys they made up. These aren't part of the real Bravo team. They actually took someone from Bravo team and put them on Alpha team and replaced one of the most iconic characters in Resident Evil lore as well, who is Barry Burton. And at first, I think I missed something at one point, and I thought the guy they had cast was Barry Burton. Well, he's not. Um, so that was good because he looked nothing like Barry Burton. Barry Burton plays a large role near the end and working with Wesker. So that really bugged me, keeping out a couple characters. In Resident Evil 2, you have Marvin Brana, who is a some kind of police sergeant, I believe. I, he didn't play as big of a role in the original Resident Evil 2, but definitely in the remake, he plays a pretty pivotal role, and especially like in forming and working with Claire and Leon. He's just completely gone from this game, and you can't include every little character, I understand that. But when you're making conscious choices to include some of these characters and leave some of them out, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, another, I saw credited i saw ada wong credited who is plays a very key role in the series shows up in two has a little bit to do with what's going on in one and actually i think plays into the truest part of the original 2002 i believe resident evil movie at least there's some things early on there that are based on ada's character i saw her credited i don't remember ever seeing her i'm assuming there was a throwaway line a little later on in the movie and i'm thinking that's probably what it had to do with, but I don't remember seeing Ada in this movie. Maybe I just saw it and I forgot it, or I didn't notice it, but that's a problem because she's a very striking and iconic character. But we just see people kind of thrown in left and right. Ben Bertolucci is definitely just thrown in this movie. He's kind of put in early on and then put in a little bit later. He doesn't play a big role in the games, which is why I'm like, why are you including this? I guess it makes sense to the narrative you're trying to portray. Um, so if we want to jump off of characters and get past that. Let's go to that, the message you're trying to portray. There's some pretty blatant nods in this about this being kind of a film talking about class and the poor, and it's the poor getting sick, and you know, the police officers and the ones who are rich get vitamins or injections or something, and that keeps them safe from this water. Well, that really has nothing to do with the Resident Evil games, because they've never been about that. I don't know if there, I'm sure there's messages in there. I'm sure there's a ton of messages in the Resident Evil games, I've never dug too much into them. These are not like Academy Award type scripts that are in these games. You have to understand that. They're not out there trying to give all of these direct ham-fisted messages like this is. The problem is, and maybe this again is something with cuts, is we see it a couple times and then it's gone. Like it just disappears. Suddenly this film's not about class anymore. It's just in these few bits at the beginning and a little bit in the middle for a couple times, and then it's gone. It's just gone. There's no more of that message. It's pretty out there in the open and in your face, and then it's gone. 
So I don't know what they're trying to do there, if something got cut or what. Let's bring it back, and speaking of in your face, the Easter eggs in this movie are so blatant, and they're so overt, and they're so in your face, can they really be considered Easter eggs? And they're so far removed from their original context that it just makes it hard to appreciate it, especially when they're doing it wrong with things like the itchy tasty made no sense. Like, why would that be done in that way? But of course, they did include that. And they included a line about lockpicking, but it related to Claire when in the game, it's Jill Valentine who is known as the master of unlocking. And I know that sounds like a stupid thing, but in the first game, you're basically choosing between Chris or Jill, and Jill has these lockpicks and is kind of this unlocking expert. So it's very weird, and it's not like Claire was really picking the lock in the Resident Evil sense of things. She was just kind of using a knife to get the deadbolt open. Whatever with that. Let's go back to a couple good things. I did really like the cool creature-type designs in this movie. Everything from, like, the iconic crow to the dog to the G-virus Birkin that we get in this. Those are very cool. They're very well done. The gore effects are very well done in this movie. And like I said, there are some interesting things that go along with that subplot of the poor people being the ones that are infected. And that's kind of cool to see that playing out and to see little bits of that. So I think there's some really good stuff sprinkled in there. It's just I was so off put from this movie at the beginning that I was never going to fall in love with it. I was never even going to like it. So would I recommend this to you? I would say go in hesitantly if you are a diehard fan of the games. I mean, the Resident Evil games are some of my favorite games, period. And I've really been invested in them, like I was saying. So when they go and mess with a lot of this stuff and they're jumbling so much stuff, it's like, yes, we see this scene, but it's not happening in the way it should. Like we see a scene with a train at the end and... In all actuality, that sh there should only be two of those characters there, and they are the characters from Resident Evil 2. But instead, we see kind of the whole cast there. The whole cast of survivors, anyway. And it's so different. Like, there are just some scenes that are so different. Speaking of Easter eggs, they just throw in, like, an Ashford Twins thing in here. In which the Ashford Twins didn't come into play until Code Veronica, which is a whole different thing. So it's just like these weird in-your-face Easter eggs, and they're jumbling up everything like, yeah, this scene did happen, but it didn't happen this way. I mean, there was a scene with that parking garage from the Raccoon City Police Department, and that was really cool because that's pretty much what it looked like. And like I said earlier, the Raccoon City Police Department lobby, um, the Star's office, Iron's office... Most of the set pieces in this, except for when you get inside the orphanage, which is nothing like it, but most of the sets here, they did very well with them and getting them to mirror what's in the games. It's just what they do with them and how they twist them that I just couldn't get behind. Again, why did we need this? Why do we need video game adaptations? I kind of get when you're taking a book and adapting it. But it's so hit or miss whether you're either going to do it really right or you're not. And you can't include... Books a similar thing where you just can't hope to include everything that's in a book, especially these longer books, in a movie or in a couple movies. And that's the same with these Resident Evil games. You're trying to jab all this stuff in there, and it just doesn't work a lot of the time. Maybe I'm just being this grumpy old man and I don't want 
you to adapt something I love, and that's true. I mean, I mentioned Suspiria 2018. Suspiria is one of my top five horror movies of all time, the Dario Argento Suspiria. And I went in really wanting to see 2018 because I wanted to see this different take on it. Absolutely hated it. And that's the last time I felt this way about a movie. And again, that was taking something that I loved and trying to adapt it and put a new spin on it. And I hated it. And that's the same thing here. Would I have wanted to see a shot-for-shot film that adapts the story directly, I mean, what it could fit in, of 1 and 2? I don't know if I would have, but I would have liked it a lot better than this. And that's the problem. I don't think it needs to exist either way. I don't think we need any more Resident Evil movies. Um, The animated ones, uh, some of those are pretty good, and they kind of happen and tell their own stories with the existing characters, and I think that's the way to go. I think you just have to take that approach when you're looking at these things. That's probably about all I want to say. I'll end on some more positive stuff is I've talked about the sets and how cool they are. At the end of the day, I think the acting was good. I just don't think the script was right for the characters. I don't think the script was terrible. The cool set pieces, they do take a lot of these set pieces from the games and turn them into a film if you were wanting that. So that's cool. Again, we talked about the gore, the creature designs. There is more horror. There's some good horror scenes in this, but there's just too much missing and too much changed for this to be anything. I love the ambition because these do take place at the same time of trying to tie these in together. I've said it several times in this episode already, but I do love that ambition. And I love that there's this timer that's constantly like 24 style, like counting you down to a certain time for a certain reason. It's cool how they're intercutting things and going back and forth. It's just they mix them up a little too much and they put characters in situations they shouldn't be in. But there's a lot to like here. I think if you could leave your biasy at the door, which I couldn't, um, I think this film will be much more enjoyable for most people than it was for me. That's just my opinion. I just think it strays way too far. Now, if you have any interest at all in playing games, or if you do play games and haven't touched the Resident Evil series, I'd highly recommend it. These are very tense, very unsettling experiences. It's very hard to go back to the original few games, um, but there have been several remakes. There's a ported remake of the first game, which plays pretty well. It's still a little dated, but it plays pretty well, and I believe that's a one about everything that's on PS4 and Xbox One and even PS3 and Xbox 360, I think. And then you've got the newer remakes of Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3, which are on PS4 and Xbox One. Those are very good remakes. 3 kind of does the same thing as this movie does and picks and chooses its battles um, of what it includes, but I think it's still solid. Um, Resident Evil 4, one of the all-time great Resident Evils, That was like back in 2005, but I still think it plays so well today. So if you're interested, those are some good points to get in at. Resident Evil, if you can take the remake of that one. Resident Evil 2 and 3 are very modern and play very modernly, and I think Resident Evil 4 still plays well enough to this day. And of course, if you just want to jump in the new ones, there is Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil Village, which are much newer and have a mix of kind of that modern sensibility with that old Resident Evil old play style built in. So that is my rant on Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. If you liked the movie, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love for you to give me counterpoints. And I want to know what somebody thinks that's coming from this from either the outside 
or definitely if you're like Will and you're coming at this, you know the Resident Evil games and you still enjoyed this, um, I want to know why. I just want to know. Um, I'm very curious. It's impossible for me to like this movie. If I would have known all this going in and how close it was going to be while still diverging at the same time, I probably would have skipped it completely. And like my review on Twitter said, probably should have seen Ghostbusters Afterlife instead. I don't get much time to go to the movies anymore with a young daughter. Wife and daughter happened to be out of town tonight, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to just go catch a movie. I picked Resident Evil. I could have picked Ghostbusters Afterlife. I could have picked a number of other things, uh, but I didn't in the end. I went and saw Resident Evil because that's what I do to myself. Um, That's going to about wrap it up here for this very special bonus episode. You're not going to hear me rant like this most of the time. Like I said, I had more to say on this than I do most movies. I don't usually despise a movie this much. And talking through it, I've kind of come down a little bit because there's some good stuff there. It's just never going to win me over, though. I'll be back with my regularly scheduled episode on December 6th, where I have Dave Dr. Shock Becker as a guest host there. And we kind of ramble on about the rise of Euro horror and do a very broad discussion that goes down some paths. So look forward for that. That was a very fun discussion I had with Dave. It's by far my longest episode and probably will be for some time for at least the foreseeable future. But other than that, you can follow the podcast over on Twitter at screaming ages. You can send me an email and talk about anything you want, really, um, at ScreamingThroughTheAges at Yahoo.com. You can go over to the website at ScreamingThroughTheAges.com and check out all the episodes, or you can catch them on your podcast feed of your choice. Please, if you're enjoying the show, go leave a review on iTunes. Go tell your friends. Just uh, do what you can to spread the word is what I'd ask you, and I'd appreciate it if you did. Other than that, just keep your eye on your favorite podcast feed for your next bi-weekly horror movie history lesson. <laughs>